Good morning. <laughs> we're going to talk about baseball this morning, but we're going to talk about it in a way that perhaps you've never heard it before. How many of you like baseball at all? Okay, a few, all right. Follow the Orioles? Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, well, we're not going to talk about the Orioles or the Nationals or the Yankees or the Red Sox. <laughs> we're going to talk about a little-known segment of baseball uh, called the Negro Leagues, and specifically one phenomenal woman, Mamie Peanut Johnson, who played for the Negro Leagues. But before I get into that story, let me tell you a little bit about how I met this wonderful woman. You see, I have two sons. Uh, one is back there on camera, and the other one uh, was my baseball player. When he was small, he loved to play baseball. He loved t-ball. He loved everything about baseball. The only problem was he was no good at it. <laughs> and so when he was young, he would go out in the outfield and pick daisies and wait for the ball to drop on his head and that kind of thing. And he was very, very discouraged as a result. So I was driving near my home one Saturday, uh, in, going through a place called Mitchellville, Maryland. And all of a sudden, I saw a store there that I had not seen before. And it said, Negro Leagues Shop baseball shop, and it said grand opening. So I did a U-turn immediately, and I went into the shop, and I thought, maybe I can find something that will encourage my Evan with his baseball. So I walked into the store. It wasn't much bigger than this room we're in now. It really was a small place, but it was chock full of all kinds of baseball things, videos and books and jerseys and all kinds of paraphernalia. And my eye fell upon a rack of t-shirts, and I thought, this is perfect. I'll get Evan a t-shirt. Maybe he can put this on, and he can emulate the great Josh Gibson or you know, one of the other Negro Leagues players. I started flipping through this rack of t-shirts, and I came upon one that was very curious to me because it had a woman baseball player on it. And this is the shirt. And it said Mamie Peanut Johnson. And that was a name that I was unfamiliar with. And when I flipped the shirt on the back side, it said something that was just very, very intriguing. Do I have any good readers out here? Anybody who really likes to read? You do? OK. Could you read for me what it says on the back of this t-shirt? One of only three women to play professional baseball in the Negro Leagues, Mamie P. Dutt Johnson pitched for the Indianapolis Clowns from 1953 to 1955. Her accuracy, hustle, and extraordinary curveball enabled her to hold her own with the big boys. Fantastic. Let's give them a hand. Wonderful. It's what I love about libraries and books and reading. Okay. So I saw that on the back of the t-shirt, and I got curiouser and curiouser. Because here it said that she was one of only three women who played baseball in the Negro Leagues. How many of you knew that there were black women baseball players? Okay. Maybe just a few. Okay. But then it also said that her accuracy, hustle, and extraordinary curveball enabled her to hold her own with the big boys. Who do you think the big boys were? Was she playing against girls? 
No, she was playing against the big boys. And who were the big boys? Who do you think? Any idea? Professional men baseball players. You see, you might have heard about women baseball players if you've ever seen the movie um, A League of Their Own with Madonna and so forth. But these were women who were playing against other women. Mamie played baseball on a man's team, and she was a pitcher as well. We're going to find out more about that in just a minute. I was so excited. I took this T-shirt to the cash register, and I handed it to the clerk, and I said, I'd like to purchase this. And the clerk said, cash or charge, OK? And as she was ringing up my sale, I heard a, ver a voice from the other side of the store saying, would you like me to autograph that for you? <laughs> and Mamie Peanut Johnson was in the store at that very moment. Now, I'm a writer. I love to write. I create all kinds of things when I write. But this is something I could not have made up. This is a story that found the author. I turned to her and I said, you're Mamie Peanut Johnson? And she said, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. Oh, and the boy. very next question that I asked her was this. Has anyone written your story? Because you see, I love history. And I love finding out little known things about history. That's what I love to write about. And I realized <coughs> here was a piece of history, a living legend, and there was no book written about this person yet. And I knew right then and there, this was something I, I needed to write about. When I asked her, had anybody written her story? And she said no. She went on to say, I have been waiting for someone to write my story. Because of the three women who played baseball in the Negro Leagues, I'm the only one still alive. Well, I sat down right at that moment with the flyer from the store and started taking a few notes, introducing myself, getting to know her little by little. And three years later, the book A Strong Right Arm came out. And you'll hear a little bit about that in just a moment. Now, how many here are writers or wannabe writers? Anybody like to write? Good. OK. Well, I stayed with Mamie that day for about maybe an hour, and I did a little bit more work calling her and talking to her and so forth. But do you think it was possible for me to go home at that point and just start writing the book? Was I ready to start writing that book yet? No. What did I have to do first? I'm looking for a word. What's the thing I had to do first before I could write the book? Research, absolutely. Even though Mamie was here right in front of me, I had a million questions I needed to know. And then I had to learn about baseball. I had to learn about baseball from top to bottom. Because even though Evan was playing baseball, I wasn't really that much of a fan. Okay? Then I had to learn about history and geography and all of these things, where she played and when, where she lived and what that looked like and all of those things. And I, and I did all of that. But there was one singular thing that I needed to do more than anything else 
What did I have to do, learn to do before I could write this book? Anyone want to take a guess? Something I had to learn to do before I could write this book. I had to learn how to play baseball. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I had to learn how to play baseball. Now, could I go up to the uh, Orioles and say, look, I need to learn how to play baseball for this book. You think you could find a spot for me on the team for this season? You think that was going to happen? No, okay. And watching baseball on TV is not the same as playing baseball, is it? So what do you think I did to learn how to actually play the game? Play baseball with your son. You know, he's brilliant. That's exactly what I did. Remember Evan? He was still playing baseball with Little League. And so I would suit up, get out on the field, and learn how to play baseball right along with Evan. Okay? I worked with his coaches for several seasons. I worked particularly with the pitching coach because I had to learn how to throw a fastball and a curveball and a knuckleball because those were Mamie's favorite pitches. And in order for me to write about it, I had to play the game so I would know what those rough seams would feel like and what a sore, sore right arm would feel like, okay? And that's what I did. Now, I'm going to read to you a little bit from the very first chapter of A Strong Right Arm. And when I'm done, we're going to hear directly from Mamie herself, because I know you must have lots and lots of questions about what it was like being a woman playing on a man's team. What was it like being an African-American and not being welcomed in the major leagues? All kinds of questions, okay? So let me read to you just a little bit from the first chapter called Carolina Summers. Summers in South Carolina, where I lived with my grandma, Sidonia Belton, were always hot, but not city hot. In Ridgeway, South Carolina, in 1945, the heat had room to move around, to swirl up the dust and bother the sweet gum trees. It got carried around on the backs of dragonflies and dazzled the clothesline tea towels into brilliant white. It settled on screen doors and stuck to the backs of necks. Summer was too hot for baseball, Grandma said, yet every day, soon as we could break away from her watchful eye, Leo and me and the other kids around would be out in the yard to play. Leo, we called him Bones, was my uncle, but close enough in age to me to be my big brother. He marked out the bases every day, like we didn't already know that the pie plate was first, the broken piece of flower pot was second, and the large root about three feet from the lilac bush was third. And when we'd slide into home plate, we'd always be sliding over the smooth white lid of a five-gallon bucket of king cane sugar, the sweetest in the South. I was 10, and it was my job to get the ball, and for that I didn't have to go to the dry goods store two miles away, or to the thorn tree school to beg no legs Levi, our principal for one. All I had to do was find a nice sized rock and wrap it round and round with sticky tape till it had a good heft. 
they let me get the ball because I was always the one throwing it. I loved everything about baseball, but it was pitching I loved the best. Oh, sure, I could run the bases faster than a jackrabbit, but nothing made me grin on the inside like pitching. I liked the standing up tall, the looking the other fella in the eye, the sizing him up for a change-up or a fastball, and then the pitch. And I didn't pitch like a girl either. Bones made sure of that. Not an underhanded fling of the ball, but a sure fire wind up coming right at your pitch, smack dab over the plate. One that let them know I meant business. One that could tear the bark right off the tree branch the other fellow was using for a bat. Now, Grandma said the pitcher's mound was no place for a girl. And even my best friend, Mary Alice Quails, who was pretty and who all the boys liked, she didn't hold any truck with baseball. But baseball was what I liked. The only thing better was a package from home. Ridgeway was where I lived with Grandma, but my real home was Washington, D.C. And just about every month, I'd get a package from my mama, who lived there and worked hard to support me. Grandma's house in Ridgeway was big enough to hold all of my dreams. It had 18 rooms. It sat on 81 acres. It had fruit trees of every kind, plums, peaches, pears, running streams, and no fences. Maybe I dreamed such big dreams because there was plenty of room to spread them out in Ridgeway, room for them to run and stretch and grow. I remember thinking the city was no place for my big dreams. They'd get all cramped up and bent, like trying to throw a fastball with your arm cocked. In my room in Ridgeway, I could look into the night sky and see starlight. A wide open sky where my dreams could run. Once, I saw a shooting star. God must like baseball, I imagined. He's got a fastball as good as mine. Thank you. Okay, and now I'm going to turn things over to Mamie. And uh, Mamie, we're so glad that you could be with us here today. And I'm sure the audience would have all kinds of questions I'd like to ask you. So just jump right on in there. Well, <coughs> as you know, Michelle just told me where I came from and so forth. And uh, how we made our baseball and whatever. Now me telling you about what I did, where I went, and how I did it would not really interest you because you would know what I was talking about. And the places I went, you probably wouldn't know them or whatever. But what I do want you to do is to ask me questions that you have in your mind that you would like to know about me. And I'll be so happy to answer them. Okay? Yes, darling, you're in the back. Did the men think of you like, did the men make fun of you when you joined Not really, dear. For the first time I was there, 
I got the little skimmish fact that I was a girl, and it's just like anything else now. Until you prove yourself, they always think of you different. But see, when you prove yourself and struck out four or five of them, I had no problem. None whatsoever. Yes, darling. Why did you choose to play baseball with Ben? Why did I choose to do that? Well, actually, I, I don't know why. Because that's all we had to do down south, really. And there were no girl teams, and the boys they were there to play with, and that's all I had to do. But uh, even when I got older, I continued to play with the boys. And the more I played, the better I got. And the better I got, the more I wanted to play. And eventually, I think I got good at it. And then I really wanted to play. And I always dreamed of playing professional baseball. And when the women, the white women, were playing professional baseball, a friend of mine and I, we were rejected. And I'm so glad today that they did reject me because I wouldn't be who I am today if I had played with the girls by me playing with the fellas on the Sandlot team, there was a gentleman by the name of Mr. Tyson saw me. He used to come and watch me practically every day practice, and he'd come on Sundays and watch me pitch. And uh, he was an old Negro League ball player, and he introduced me to the clowns. And I never looked back, baby. That was it. <laughs> Yes, darling. I'm sorry. Yes, dear. Um, why did you live with your grandmother? I didn't hear you. Why did you live with your grandmother? Why did I live with my grandmother instead of my mother? Oh, what happened? I was born in South Carolina, and there were no what you say jobs there and whatever. And my mother thought she could better herself and better take care of me. So what she did, she went to Washington, D.C. and began to work and send money to take care of me. And after my grandmother died, I went to my mother, which I, I'm glad I, I was there. I enjoyed the wide open spaces and having a good time. Yes, darling. Oh, you want to know how old I am? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm an old lady. I'm 76 years old. My birthday is in September, the 27th. Yes, darling. How old were you when you first um, went to the and how long was the season? Oh, I was 19. 
when I joined the Negro Leagues. And our season ran from the last of March. We started spring training in Virginia, and it would last until October. Yeah, and uh, we would like follow the seasons. And we in like in September and the last of October, we would wind up back in back in Florida or either Georgia, someplace where it was warm before we would come home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe they would like to hear a little bit about being on the road, the bus, the living accommodations, the food, traveling with the men. Well, actually, it, 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 it wasn't too bad. You had to, I'd say, endure it <laughs> because it was, it was something that we wanted to do that we endured the, the segregation, the not being, <clears throat> excuse me, not being to being able to sleep in the good hotels because me, myself, and Connie and um, Tony, we lived in people's homes most of the time because Hotels were not accommodating Negroes or whatever or black people or whatever you call <clears throat> call them now or then, and uh, the fellows stayed in rooming houses. And if there was a black hotel in the city, then we stayed. But other than that, this is how we did it then. And the eating arrangements. You had to go to the back of the restaurant or whatever. And usually, we wouldn't eat. We would go into the grocery stores and buy food and put it on the bus because that's where we stayed most of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, darling. Yes. No, like I said, it wasn't hard. Once you prove yourself, not only with baseball, anything that you want to accomplish, you have to work at it and be good at it and keep your mind to it. You know, that's, that's, that's what you do with that. Yes, baby. Yeah. I, I have one son, but I born. And then I got about a million uncles <laughs> that I claim all over the United States, everywhere. I got many children. That one I'm back there. See him? <laughs> oh, like that one. That's one of my children. <laughs> yes, darling. Um, did you see that? Did you face any discrimination from your team, from the males? Did they treat you fairly? Um, did you ever? At first. Okay. At first, like I said. <clears throat> Men are, you know, they think they're superior, but you, you, you have to let them know, hey, <laughs> you step back and we'll take care of this, you know. So this is the way I did this. I mean, 
I'm not bragging that I was good, but I knew I was good. So hey, you deal with it, and I'll deal with you. Simple as that. It, it, it was pretty good fun. Yes, Dolly. No, we didn't do no fun. That was nice. <laughs> no, I was in D.C. I was living with my mother then. Yeah, I, I started living with my mother as soon as she bought the home in Washington, D.C. And um, in fact, though, I went to New Jersey. When my grandmother died, I went to New Jersey with one of my aunts. And uh, they're there. And then I came to Washington, D.C., when my mother bought the home there. And, and, and that's where I was doing. Yes, darling. So, it was the Negro League in Washington, D.C. No, no, no. This, this is what happens with the Negro League. They go from city to city to play baseball. So if there's some players there that are good enough to join the team, and then that is what happened with that. Uh, all our players were from everywhere, even in Cuba. We had some Cuban players. And uh, we had one young man to come from Cuba. He was 17, Pedro Sierra. And uh, we, we had quite a few Cuban players to play with us. Yes, darling. Okay. Did you marry any of the um, ladies? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, baby. <laughs> no. I have time for that. <laughs> yes, baby. How many other Negro leagues were there? Well, it, it, it started in 1920 by a gentleman by the name of uh, Mr. Ruth Forster. And in the league, I think, uh, it's been so long ago, and so don't quote me, I think there were about 68 teams in the league, and over, I, I know it was over, 2,000 players, but they had, you know, each team had at least 25, 26 players. So you kind of count that together. Mimi, what was your favorite game or your most memorable game? Well, uh, when the championship, 1954. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> Well, it's, it was just a regular game other than it was a championship game. It's just like uh, uh, Cincinnati and, and, and whoever. <laughs> uh, you know, playing the championships game. You know, we had the all-star games. We had the championship games, just like the major leagues, only we were black. You know, so we did exactly what they did, but a little better. Yes, I don't have one. I, I, I don't. 
I tell you why? Because now baseball is maybe it would be different for you than it is for me. Baseball is not played to the equivalency of how we play ball. We play baseball because of what we were supposed to do. They play baseball now for the money. And it's a difference. I can see it because I know the game. And it's a whole lot different in then and now. Yes, sir. I wanted to interject that when the Washington Nationals team first opened up in Washington, D.C., Mamie and some of our friends and, and my son Evan, we all went to the game and we sat there and Mamie trash-talked the pitching the whole, the whole time. And I thought we were going to have to put her on the field. I really did. <laughs> it's just not like it was before. You know, you, you, you put your heart into something that you're doing. But like I said, it's a, it, it's a money thing now. Hey, you know, you got maybe four or five pitches that seem to put the, you know, the heart into doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, it, it's just not baseball. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, who is your toughest up? Fine. Who was your toughest out? My toughest out? I couldn't even remember. I, the reason I say that is this. We had ball fans, you know? And, and um, in the course of a year, I say the season, I mean, we had some ball players. I mean, we had no jump. We had some hitters that could hit the ball. Not only on my team, but every team that I faced. So it wasn't this one. Is, now, we had ball players. I just put it out there. <laughs> yes, dear. Yes. Uh, um, did you play no, I didn't play against the Yankees. But in '53. We barnstormed against the major league players mm -hmm. and beat them. And, and, and they stopped playing us because we wore <laughs> them out. <laughs> really? They, they wouldn't play us anymore. They, they got changed, so they, they wouldn't play us no more. <laughs> yes, darling. So, other nationalities that we don't have to do Oh, yes. But uh, we, we didn't have any white players. We played against the white boys. But we didn't have any white players. We had Cubans and uh, some boys from Venezuela and from across the water, but we didn't have any white boys. Just stop. Uh, I'm sorry, dear. I can't see you, but I, <laughs> I was curious as to how you were paid, and did you have to pay for your bats and your uniform and your gloves? No, we will. We didn't have to play for anything, and we had a regular contract, just like everybody else. And then, could you tell? Do you tell us anything about Cool Pop Bell 
or is not your page? No, I can't, but I can tell you about Mr. Page. Okay. I can't tell you about uh, Mr. Bell because Mr. Bell, I didn't get to know him that well. One season, I think, in 15, 53 or 54, Mr. Bell was playing the Kansas City Monarchs, and uh, I got to meet him, but I didn't get to know him. And then he got sick. Yeah, and just before he was inducted to the Hall of Fame, and he, he died, like about uh, a week before he was inducted to the Hall of Fame. And I didn't get to know Mr. Bell that well, but Mr. Page, I did. Uh, Mr. Page came back from the Browns, Cleveland Browns, to the Kansas City Monarchs in 1954. And I got to know him very well because um, he played 54 and 55 with Kansas City. So I got to know him and he, he, he was a tremendous help to me in pitching. Yes, he was. Uh, he taught me a whole lot of things that I'm grateful for today. Yes, he was a beautiful gentleman. And, and, and to know him was to know uh, somebody that you would call a god in baseball. Really? Yes, darling. Did you ever get in the Hall of Fame? Yes, I'm in the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. I'm in the Hall of Fame just about in every town around. I'm, in fact, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to Milwaukee in July. I was supposed to have gone this last July, but my mother got rather ill and uh, I couldn't go to be inducted to the Hall of Fame in Milwaukee. And, um, but I'm going next year with the God's feeling. Yes. Yes, darling. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking of, you know, the players and how good they were, how good they were, basically. you ever considered um, teaching or have you done that? To well, I yeah, I, I tell you what's going to happen. There is a field that's being dedicated to me now. In fact, it's already been dedicated, but the dedication hasn't taken place. But the field is mine. But for them to put my name on it in Rosedale on 17th Street, Northeast. And then I'm going to start baseball back in D.C. And I'm going to try to have a whole lot of teams. And, and I promised everybody that worked so hard for me to have that field named after me. I, I, I promised them that I would bring baseball back to northeast and northwest and whatever. And uh, we teach them the way. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. We, we, we're going to have a good time. Oh, yeah. And now, if you don't want to play, don't come. You stay home because I don't have time for aggravation. Yes.
Yes, baby. Oh, yes. I, I, I talked to Leo uh, last week. Yes, I, I'm, I'm very close to him because of him, baby. I, I'm where I am. I, I, ooh, I'm real close to him. Believe me. He is my heart. We do have a couple of announcements I think we can share with you, and that is that um, a strong right arm is going to be released in Spanish next year. So if you have friends or if you speak Spanish, you can hear Mamie's story in Spanish, and also um, audio tapes are coming out next year for that. But the biggest excitement is that a strong right arm is under contract for a feature film. And so we are underway with that. You know, it, it may take a little while yet, but we're excited to be working on that project to extend Mamie's legacy to the silver screen. So keep your eyes peeled. I just wanted to ask, what did you, what was your life like after baseball? What did you do? Well, it's been pretty good. You know, I... I slowed down a little bit, <laughs> a little age. I understand. <laughs> no, but I became a nurse. For, I, I was a nurse for 30 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, that was my life after baseball. Good. Yeah. Any other questions? For Mamie? Yes, God. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for coming out. Thank you.